Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our weekly update for the week ending 1st of September 2023. Oh, September already. In this week's Green Edge post, we're writing about the circular economy again. Not this time from the design point of view, but from the other end of the circle, which is the various things we can do with waste. Which, being circular, when you think about it, that gets us back into the design process again. Anyway, aside from a bit of a rant about there being too many different versions of the seven R's of sustainability, which we feel only serves to confuse and dilute the message, the first real point we make in the post is that recycling, which Encyclopedia Britannica defines as the recovery and reprocessing of waste materials for use in new products, all takes energy and, quite rightly, is the least palatable R of the 15 or so we identified. But it has to be said that, according to DEFRA at least, recycling is going awfully well, Michael. It is in the general sense of that word, but there are some areas in wood and plastic where the levels of recycling are not as high as they should be. You know, you hit some really great numbers for aluminium, 75%, steel, 76%, paper and cardboard past 70%, and glass up to 74%. But plastic at 44 and wood at 44 is not great. But the highest scoring one is construction and demolition waste, hitting nearly 93%, which is quite an amazing figure. Now, DEFRA track this, and like most government departments, the data is freely available, and allows you to make your own judgment as regards progress. And they'll be drawing their data from the big recycling companies, presumably. That and local authorities and all the permits. Yeah. Okay. Well, applying circular economy thinking to waste management is now big business and employs thousands of people in the UK. Between 2014 and 2019, we read around 90,000 new jobs were added to the circular economy. And the circular economy now employs around 560,000 people in the UK. Where do these figures come from, Michael? They come from a piece of work by RAP, and they were published a couple of years ago. And that report did two really interesting things. It also went into the future rather than just measuring the past. And it provided three possible pathways of growth. The highest rate of growth, which it calls transformation, led to an excess of half a million extra jobs being added. But I think the fascinating part of this was they derived a series of ratios for what happens to jobs for every 10,000 tonnes of waste generated. You get one job if you incinerate, 36 jobs if you recycle, but 296 if you refurbish and reuse. So the jobs potential of what we would term historically as waste is absolutely enormous. And we put a chart in the post where we show that the number of jobs depends on what you're actually reusing. It does. There's a difference between textiles and electrical waste, we waste, for example. Yes. Now, we also mentioned Biffa in the post, uh, which has recently built a new, now I'm going to have a run at this one, polyethylene terephthalate. That's PET to you and me. Anyway, they've built a new pet recovery plant at Washington in County Durham. And that plant draws its inputs from another plant on the coast at Seam, which separates contaminated pet from aluminium and PVC. So there's a real waste recovery value chain operating by Biffa in the northeast. But Biffa has other value streams, doesn't it? It does. But if you just stop with a plastic one, they are now supplying 150,000 tonnes of material into the plastics industry. 
which isn't enormous. But you're right, they have other streams going into the construction industry, into horticulture from compost and fertilizer, and they also generate electricity from biogas. So they, from being a waste recovery and capture business with their big trucks, they're now actually supplying materials in four major business streams. Now, the particular R we look at in the post is the R of repurposing. And the argument we put forward, if argument there be, is that repurposing tends to get tainted by association with quirky art like wind chimes made out of spoons and key rings made out of spark plugs. But repurposing has a few serious sides, and we call out a few, including the architectural version, adaptive reuse, which has been around since Roman times and no doubt before that. And the industry, we have no doubt, will form around second-lifing EV batteries. Now, as we were doing our preparation for the post, I was reminded of an interview I saw on cable TV during my sojourn in South Africa earlier this year with the CEO of a Finnish company called Block Solutions. In true Finnish style, Block Solutions produces eco-friendly buildings out of modular blocks, kind of like industrial Lego, and their deployment model is very much along the lines of local licensing and capacity building. Block's CEO is Sana Silverberg, and she was in South Africa at the time that I was there as part of a Finnish trade delegation. She was part of the Finnish trade delegation, I wasn't. Anyway, here's a clip from the interview. We like to use local raw materials like recycled plastics. Then we can use biocomposite so we can mix fibers. Here in South Africa, uh, we can use sugar cane or then we can use coconut husk, rice husk, old clothes. There are many options. The carbon emissions are over 90% lower compared to traditional building methods. For example, we can build five classroom school just in six days. It's very affordable. We are using injection molding machines. So they, they are the machines that can uh, very fast produce blocks. So the cost for, for the blocks and the traditional building methods, uh, it's, the blocks can be a little bit higher, but because we can build in a so short time, we are already producing the blocks in Egypt, in Ghana and in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And we are having a model houses in many countries and negotiations. Next week we will have a model house in Nigeria. Of course the investments are always something that are needed and uh, because it's a local investment. Mm-hmm. And we are discussing and negotiating and what options there are to have a funding or something. So building local capacity and skills and extruded blocks incorporating materials like sugarcane or even old clothing And you've only got to drive out of any one of South Africa's airports to know that the country really needs solutions like this, Michael. It does, if you take South Africa and it's got its housing challenges. If you come out of Cape Town and you go past Kalitsha, it's an enormous town in its own right or city in its own right. And so finding these virtuous cycles where you can take waste material or apparent waste material and actually provide some real social good, both in housing and in skills and employment, is fantastic. Brazil has similar streams going on like this as well. And we also heard in the clip that Block Solutions is putting up buildings in places like Indonesia and Nigeria, where there's a real upcoming population boom. I think Nigeria is forecast to be the third most populous country by 2050, and it's currently around sixth in world rankings. But this business of reusing old clothing and the like, I think should really appeal to the South African way of doing things. They're much more reuse oriented down there. That was my observation, at least. 
Right, a reminder that you can find this week's post, Repurposing with Purpose, on greenedge.substack.com. And you can also find this podcast on all the major streaming platforms, including Apple, Google, and Amazon. Michael, your reports roundup is going out on Monday, the 4th of September. What have you got this month? We're off rather a lot, but I'll pick out two. We're in that phase of the year where you're getting annual reports and outlooks being produced, both for renewables and for wind, and we highlight two of those. And what is heartening when you look at those documents is the scale of what's physically going on. And if you just pick out wind, there's a very detailed report we're listing that actually goes through both the technologies, the conditions of growth, the potential real growth markets. And it struck me in that it picks out 10 markets to watch. And whilst the UK is the largest European market, it isn't listed as a market to watch, which I thought was intriguing. The real markets to watch are more in Asia and increasing in North America. And I'd imagine in time, we'll certainly see South America where there are a few countries listed, and certainly Africa. And of course, coming into September, there are people around to actually read these reports. Now, it's amazing how many came out during the summer that probably nobody was around to read them. It is, but we're seeing a trend where the summer doesn't exist in that sense. The volume's just to keep on flowing. I think at the current time, I'm up to about 17 pages worth of reports for us to list this month. And if I had time, I could add another 60 reports for this month well summer certainly hasn't existed this year has it no thank you for listening to this green edge podcast this podcast series accompanies the green edge newsletter to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com the green edge is produced by blue mirror insights 